the sex and violence on the screen has gone too far for me. I'm fed up with it. Filmmakers like George Romero and John Carpenter have to show some restraint. They're simply... Welcome back to Queer Horico with uh, yet another episode. I'm kind of surprised that we're still going and haven't folded yet. We have committed. Yeah. Just sticking to it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of sweet. That's a first for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's been good. We're getting a lot of uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. More than we expected at yeah, least, yeah. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're kind of um, pleased with the uh, response that we're mm-hmm. getting so far. It's going pretty well. Yeah, it seemed to be reaching a few different places that, or many places, but especially many that we don't really know anybody there. So yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a nice thought that it's reaching strangers. <laughs> yeah. It's not just our friends humoring us. Exactly, yeah. Like we said last time, we love you, friends that are humoring mm-hmm. us. Yeah. You're and better again, friends than us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was saying again, I'm, I, I'm sorry I misheard and assumed that nobody was listening because I, I was really just projecting because I'm that terrible friend that doesn't actually listen to anybody's podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, you don't even listen to podcasts, Yeah, not, not really. No. I'll, I'll, unless there's like an interview with somebody I really want to hear, I, I so actually you, don't. <laughs> you will listen to podcasts, but it's not like a regular thing. No. It's just... If and, it, I'll, and I'll fast forward through all the parts that aren't the interview oh, with... Man, you're I know. <laughs> so much of our fan base is just unsubscribing right now. Oh. Well, I still listen to you guys. It's it's I'm I'm here. I'll, I'll start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Calypso's contribution to the conversation. Yeah, we've sort of given up on thinking we can keep the cats out. They're just gonna roam yeah. freely, free range roasters. Yeah. Our beans. Yeah, but we're joined by both today. We got both Sappho and Calypso. Yeah, Clippy came down to the basement with us, and she was sniffing the couch. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so. Last week, left off with In My Skin, it's called? In My Skin, yeah. yeah. Uh, There's so many movies that have that some kind of t- title involving my skin. Yeah. Or yeah, there's skin Under the Skin, or, uh, The Skin yeah, I Live totally, In, right? like all yeah. of those. Yeah. So it's, it's always that struggle to be like, am I talking? Am I saying the right one? Am I talking about the right movie? <laughs> yeah. Yes, In My Skin. Okay. Um, that one is a... It's a brutal, it brutal is. beast. Uh, the main reason I picked it was the idea of how abject the self-mutilation and bodily, well, disfigurement, as we, the audience may look at it, mm-hmm. uh, how abject it is, and yet the character is so compelled to do it and gets enjoyment out of it. That yeah. was the big thing. Uh, because uh, going off of the transphobic rhetoric you find, um, it's often described as mutilation or self-mutilation yeah. of the body. Yeah, that and control. how can people be so sick in the head to like this? And it's... To desire it. And yeah. To it. And so this movie seems like a very uh, concrete, gore movie um, projection of that idea. Mm-hmm. And so... 
that just it kind of just clicked for me. Yeah, I, mean, I think in it makes sense. Sort of way. Yeah, and yeah. That, so yeah, extend it to that sort of like gory horror. Yeah. But still have that underlying kind of process yeah. happening. Like I said, it's one of those movies that I really like, but I don't necessarily enjoy as entertainment. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, the film studies student in me sort of comes out a bit and 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 loves that one. Mm. Yeah. No, I definitely appreciate it, but I, I it's one that I don't know that I need to or want to return to. Yeah, that's watching. fair <laughs> I remember your reactions the first time. Yeah, I was, like, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of the images from that movie are just like seared into my memory they're not yeah. going to leave so. well you're welcome that's all i can really say <laughs> well, that, no, no, i'm not saying it wasn't a fulfilling experience to some extent cool cool anyway and then uh we watched another movie that mm. i feel was just as painful in a very different way <laughs> <laughs> i kid i kid um tell us about why you picked repo the genetic opera repo with an exclamation mark. oh sorry i said it wrong repo re no exclamation mark okay. not question mark um yeah, so that that's one that the more time passes between when it, like you first see it and when you see it again, it gets cheesier and che yeah, <laughs> cheesier. Yeah, that was. Um... And, oh, it's it's a treasure. I still stand by like what I said last time, where it's both like the greatest disaster and also like a, a cult, like iconic sensation. Mm -hmm. So. I will admit yes. it did not play as well to me this time. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it was goofy fun but in a really painful i don't know i don't want to slag off you know mm -hmm. um it, it didn't quite work for me but fair enough yeah but there I was fun to be had I, I had plenty of laughs have you noticed yes yeah yeah whether that was intended or not for all <laughs> of them i had yeah and uh so i i talked about i picked that as um focus or since it focuses on surgery and mm -hmm. um organ transplants but specifically as a self-improvement thing not as like a life-saving right. i mean the the mythology behind it sort of there's you get it doesn't go into detail but it talks about how a whole bunch of people got sick and the the person to you know the light in the darkness that found the cure was this um Gene Co, yeah. Yeah. And how now, instead of just being a life-saving thing, these synthetic organs are like a fashion statement. and Right. And um, it's done because it's very in vogue. Which, regardless of, Huh? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, I, I was just going to say, which is uh, interesting because that's sort of coming at the transphobia from a different angle. Where, totally. Where it, uh, any kind of medical intervention isn't actually seen as life-changing or necessary. It mm -hmm. purely is considered... Like, that's why funding is... In yeah. a lot of places, you can't get funding for it because right. it's considered not necessary. Yeah, and then you also get that whole um, trope of the, you know, because there's this proliferation of people who are coming out with and realizing that they have, you know, non-cisgender identities, mm. this notion of the trans-trender who is just doing it. Yeah. Because, you know, having, going through everything that you would have to go through, yeah, I t I, it's totally believable that somebody would do that just to be hip. Like, give me a fucking break. Yeah, um, yeah, just, you yeah. know, ask ask a trans person if they think, well, don't ask a trans person, no. they're tired of your questions, but, you know, ask a trans person if yeah. they think that it's just aesthetic, not necessary, any of the medical and it, interventions. And it's so fun. It's yeah. so fun to navigate, and especially not at all in public. Expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even if you don't pursue the medical side of it, mm -hmm. just hearing about the costs that some people have racked mm. up yeah. for, for things you wouldn't even think of. Exactly, yeah. And and so much of it is... Thank God that you like, can't repossess gender. Yeah, yeah, there you go, right? And um, 
then with watching that, we, we sort of got into the discussion of what we were maybe going to do this week, and it realized right. that this film actually, in a lot of ways, kind of works as a kind of segue between yeah, the last episode segue, and yeah. this episode, and you know, two very different subjects, but nevertheless, it, it deals with kind of content from both. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So by this, we uh, mean that... So Repo, you get the impression that like it's not really set anywhere in particular but you kind of get i think at some point maybe there's some reference to like america u.s but it's it's very like post-apocalyptic yeah it's anywhere usa but after the rise of the machines has happened or something yeah exactly so you can't you can't like you can't place it but who knows who knows we could have both missed it it's like oh it's in delaware city exactly right like (laughs) yeah it's like oh shit okay Mm -hmm. missed that yeah so but you you get this vision of the future where it, although it's not maybe explicitly addressed, you get the sense that the if any the, the government is pretty much absent and everything is run by Gene Co. This monopoly sort of corporation, and it kind of got us thinking about this idea of like you know late capitalism yeah. decay. What happens after the apocalypse? Well, I, like, I mentioned I was getting like a, a weird sort of if Hot Topic was run by OCP. From a uh, Robocop kind of vibe. <laughs> totally, yeah. Because, um, like, the, I remember thinking, or noticing that they mentioned, you know, there's there's propaganda ads from the from the corporation saying, you know, vote vote no on Prop whatever, which would per, which would ban organ repossession, because this would be so bad. You know, because everyone's going into debt trying to, you know, getting these surgeries. <laughs> you, got, you gotta love that. Like, who in their right mind, other than the people that make a profit, would vote no on? They can take your organs back. Totally, right? But yeah, it's it's um, so there's, there's that's the one mention of like any sort of like government process of voting of citizenship of anything, but you know you if you pay attention you realize that you know any sort of policing presence in the movie, they work for Geneco. Yeah, it, it almost and, wonder it makes <laughs> me wonder why did Geneco put this proposition forth against their own government? Right? Yeah, <laughs> so if there's, there's if, you, if you pay too much attention things start to kind of stick out and maybe fall apart which i know you're not supposed to do but we can't help i feel like i feel like we can let that go for yes you know this uh it's an indie flick it's they they did great with what they like if i'm willing to accept that people break into song and dance while Mm -hmm. repossessing organs and using dudes heads as puppets which is great um i can suspend the disbelief i I can accept this yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) um but yeah you get you get this idea that the sort of the the mar- the marketplace and and the economy taking over as the entire structure behind society, right? And like the infrastructure, infra- yeah, yeah, like the infrastructure of just um, of like the whole apparatus, oh. of society, the apparatus, yeah. But yeah, they, and it's kind of we we got we started thinking about other movies that kind of look at this either post apocalyptic or when disaster strikes. And the ways that things like consumerism, capitalism, and these these sort of same similar ideas kind of play into the horror, the storylines, the trajectories the characters take. Yeah, and you'll be able to trace the thread of where our th- thought process goes in this one, because then that turned into what other sort of capitalistic horror can we do? <laughs> and it yeah. very much strayed from that initial thought mm-hmm. into just... Yeah, we got some fun ones in we there. Do. but So follow us down on the... Uh, down the rabbit hole of <laughs> consumer fascism. Basically, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Dictatorship of the consumer? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. 
So, uh, you mentioned dystopian future mm -hmm. and uh, the consumer marketplace and how that's sort of presented. So, I can't think of a more apt, more famous version of that than George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Absolutely. It's uh, doing it in a very different way. Yes. It's taking, a, in my opinion, a very uh, contemporary look at how consumerism factors into every everyone's everyday lives mm -hmm. and then shows what happens when the system that props it up has been taken out from under it. Yeah, and because, yeah, with Repo, it, it's very much in the background, whereas it's very much in the foreground, I think, in Romero's work and in, in Dawn of the Dead in yeah. particular. Yeah. I feel like it definitely is sort of a, a subtle take yeah, like on it. It's, it's bubbling below face, the surface. Yeah, it's not yeah. in your face, but... It is very much important mm -hmm. to uh, the message. Uh, before we get into Dawn of the Dead, though, I should mention, we decided to rewatch it to keep it fresh in our minds, yep. and we watched the European Argento cut of it, which neither of us had seen, and I had heard a lot of people say it's darker, it takes up some of the levity and all that, and I've got to be honest, if I had seen this cut first. I don't think I would have loved this movie nearly as much as I do. Honestly, me either. It was a little all over the place. In, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's funny that people called it darker, though, mm -hmm. because it took out some of the comedic moments, because what it took out mainly for me was the existential dread. Yeah. Which, like, to me, is like about as dark as it gets. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of the speeches were rewritten, uh, not rewritten, uh, recut mm -hmm. and moved around. Uh, but a big one that affected that for me was the music score. Yeah. I absolutely love Goblin, absolutely. but they kept using the same Goblin track over and over again, and I would just think of the music from the original version that would be playing, and I'm thinking, oh, this this matchup here and this new cut that I'm seeing, or new to me, it doesn't evoke any kind of emotion. Like, the big mm -hmm. one I can think of is after they clear out the mall, and it shows them looking over what what has been done, and their, the music in the original is just this big brooding pounding like doo, doo, yeah, kind of yeah. thing and that's not there in this one and it just kind of sweeps the the mood right off mm -hmm. yeah you mentioned that in um because i've i'd it's been a while like you've, you've seen this one a million times oh I've yeah i know it, this movie like, once, backwards and twice. forwards yeah so it, it had been a little while but you mentioned that that i think i've seen this movie this was my third viewing this year yeah so <laughs> um I remember, and it might even been that scene. I, it probably was that you said, like in in uh, your, or I guess the, the the regular cut that we're used Romero's to. Romero's cut, Romero's the, the, the one that everyone has seen. The OG, seen like this. yeah, the one everyone's seen. Um, that it had a much bigger sense of dread. Yeah. And like, oh, what's gonna happen? Like, what have they done? Like, all this, yeah. whereas in this, it was more like an action sequence almost. Yeah. Like, and it's one of those things where I wonder how much of it was me projecting because of my love of the original. Mm -hmm. Like, if I didn't have that, would I I probably would have approached this differently. But at the same time, like you said, you've seen the original maybe once before. And you sort of had a similar reaction. I did. I like, did. I, I remember thinking, like, at this one... Because I'd only seen the, the that one, like, the, the original cut the first yeah, the one the, time. Like, I remember the gist of it and right. most of what happens. But I don't remember, like, the little... Every little bit of the plot. So yeah. there are things that happened in the Argento cut that I'm... I, I wasn't following. I was like, why would they make that decision? Mm -hmm. Or what, what did we, what did we miss basically? Yeah. And you kind of filled me in, but I, I, I never found Romero's version hard to follow at all. Yeah. It wasn't hard to follow. Yeah. I felt the big thing that made this one harder to follow is, uh, it's harder to connect with the characters. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's our biggest side for this viewing <laughs> of Dawn yes. of the Dead.
what is there to say about the uh, capitalistic backgrounding of this movie? Uh, I mean, so much has been written about it. This isn't mm-hmm. some original insight that yeah, we're this having. Is, yeah, this is nothing groundbreaking. Um, but, you know, the, the big uh, set in the shopping mall is mm-hmm. kind of the obvious choice. And um, the and they even comment on this in the movie, the zombies' like inclination to return to the mall, even though they're no, you know, kind of no longer human, they no longer presumably have memory, any, any sense of who they were as people, yeah. they're just kind of... But there's this instilled capitalistic like this memory. this instinct to, yeah. like, return to the mall as mm-hmm. a consumer. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. Yeah, we were talking a bit about this, where so much of sort of what we see around how to um, conduct ourselves in society and the things that we can do to be involved within the broader context of society is coded in this very individualistic, sort of like neoliberal consumerist. And I'm going to you know, take a second to kind of say what I mean by that word because it gets thrown around a lot. Yeah, I every time I feel like I've got a handle on it, someone uses it in a different way, and then I'm just lost. So how are you using? So the way that I was taught, basically, the the, the, this word, the context of it, is so you you have classical liberalism, this focus on the individual, liberty, freedom of choice, all this stuff, Um, and with neoliberalism being rather than you know French Revolution, it's contemporary or fairly contemporary you know maybe 80s onwards it's connected to capitalism the sort of the profit motive the consumerism and sort of looking at the the ways that instead of engaging as a member of society as a citizen a lot of the ways we're encouraged to now is as a consumer we are told to vote with our dollars right and also with with this focus on the individual it helps obscure any sort of systemic inequalities so you know things like poverty racism sexism they you know they don't matter it's it's up to the individual to pull you know essentially that old myth pull yourself up by your bootstraps make a better life for yourself if you're not happy where you are it's completely your fault it's you're making the wrong choices and basically you know if if you're having if you're having a bad day to pick yourself up you know if you're a woman Go to the store, buy yourself a cute pair of pumps, and that you know that that should remedy it. And I think um, a really like clear distillation of this idea is in um, one of the speeches that George, like President George Bush gave, George W. Bush, right. to specify, gave after 9/11, in which he, well, I mean, we can play it. I yeah, guess. let's play it. Yeah. As we work with Congress in the coming year to chart a new course in Iraq and strengthen our military to meet the challenges of the 21st century, we must also work together to achieve important goals for the American people here at home. This work begins with keeping our economy growing. And I encourage you all to go shopping more. And so although it's what he suggests you do is, of course, you know, framed in the concept or in the context of maintaining the economy. Nevertheless, it's 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 sort of off-putting having this idea that you know we're we're grieving right now, but rather than you know we're processing this grief, go and shop. Yeah, that you know with this devastated like so many people, like, they, mm-hmm. like it shocked their world, rocked. Well, yeah, 
absolutely rocked their destroyed. world. Destroyed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. For so many people, even if they didn't have a direct connection to New York, to anything, it still really shook their sense of like security right. of, of of what they know their life to be, and you know, changed it forever. Yes. And yeah, to be to be told go and shop. It's it, it's almost like you have, you know, this grief, you have this void inside of you. Go get some retail therapy. Fill it with yeah. buy stuff. Oof, I know that well. Uh, to, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. No, that's uh, <laughs> I'm well, not above any of this. I will say that. What, what, what do you think my video library comes from? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, I mean, yeah, guilty is charged, but it's still, it's, it's like, huh? No, that's very interesting then because in the context of Dawn of the Dead, they, it's this big crisis situation. The world is crumbling and the sense of security is gone. Well, so where, do, law, where like, do they go for safety? They go to the mall. They go to the mall, yeah. And what do they do? They go around all the stores and go shopping for free. And yeah, like, we, we get that montage, that mm-hmm. great montage where they're just going through, trying on all the fancy clothes. They rob the bank and, and pose for the security camera with the money they're yeah. holding up. And uh, that sequence is actually really great. Yeah, they, they clearly get a lot of joy from it. And I even remember thinking... Speaking back to, you know, I'm, I'm not above this by any means, was like, shit, yeah, if I was in that situation, that's exactly what I'd be doing. <laughs> yeah, because it's funny. Uh, the world is in shambles, and they even make a comment at that point that they may as well take the money if they need it. Like, the currency system of the economy is gone oh, at yeah, this point, but they yeah. still recognize the importance of it, mm-hmm. and so they keep it. Um, but it it's great because that goes in towards the end when the biker gang's raiding them. They're... Their plan is to just kind of let the zombies and the bikers clash, and they're going to try and lay low and keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm. And that works right up until the, the guys go into the bank and they start throwing the money around. And that's when Steven says, It's ours. We took it. It's ours. Right. And then that starts a firefight. It's, yeah, that's, uh, that's the escalation. They haven't thing, even yeah. been discovered like, I mean, mm-hmm. the people know they're there because of the radio conversation, and they know people are living in the mall, but they haven't been... They, they're hiding. Covert. Yeah. yeah, they're being covert, and Stephen blows it up because the guys are because robbing money. the money. Yeah, the money is the last straw. Like, the yeah. whole place can get wrecked, mm-hmm. but not, not, not the money. Uh, what else jumped out at you, like, in the movie in general, mm-hmm. I mean? I do like that part when they run into the store, and... Uh, Roger asks, how the hell are we going to get back? And Peter yells, who the hell cares? Let's go shopping. Yes, yeah. Or was it the other way around? Um, um, it was the two of them talking, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't remember, but that, yeah, exchange, I, that exchange happens. I claim to know this movie like the back of my hand, <laughs> but... Well, I don't, so I'm a bad person to ask for a confirmation on that. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, that's that's sort of like... Yeah, you know, the, our, your world just crumbled, but go shopping. Yeah, we're boxed in by zombies. How are we going to get back to safety? Who the hell cares? I, I, Let's I love go that. shopping. Yeah. And as, as, as funny as it is, it's also, like, it super yeah. calls back to exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> there's that other moment when they're tooling up, getting all the guns, where uh, the, uh, Peter makes the comment. Ain't in the crime. What? The only person who could ever mess with this gun would be the sucker with the bread to buy it. Yeah. We don't need to afford it. <laughs> Which is interesting on the survivalist front mm-hmm. that there's this item that within the confines of the capitalist like structure, if it were still there, it's so outrageously overpriced that it's as a survival tool, it's useless to large swaths of people that would need it for survival. Right. So it's as opposed to the people who can afford it, they can probably also afford private security yeah. and like a bunker and like 
all of this stuff. Protective mechanisms that nobody else has yeah. access to, other so than a very small percentage. It takes this for the structure to break down before mm-hmm. it can actually be brought into the hands as this survival yeah. thing. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. watching this we decided to do the novel thing of watching the dawn of the dead a remake mm-hmm. from 2004 after see how it compared and i've got to say it's an interesting juxtaposition there in that as much as the original is really got that consumerist commentary it felt lacking in the remake and that that's not mm-hmm. uh, necessarily shot against the remake I, I quite enjoy the remake it's more that th- that's not what the movie was as blatantly for or about. Yeah, it wasn't as integral, or it, it seems so integral to the original that, yeah, it, it, it is a little bit jarring that it's not there yeah. in the remake, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, to, I, I think we agree with, with this a lot of the time that what's the point of doing a remake unless you're doing your own thing with it? Yeah, and I'm not so. anti-remake. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I think I've said before even, you know, it's, the original's still there. Yep. And... A remake, if it, it must be a bad remake, and the original must not be that strong if a bad remake can make me dislike the original. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I will say, I am I am pr- still pretty openly judgy if you're going to take, like, a low-budget foreign movie and then that got popular and just do a shot-by-shot remake with a Yeah, massive... the problem is that usually they, they feel <laughs> that bland emptiness because, like, yeah. the passion that went into the first one isn't there. It's like, we've got the template, let's yeah. just do so it again. Yeah, so that shit, I'm like, you know, miss me with that. But... Yeah, don't get me wrong, there are bad remakes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm just saying that on principle. <laughs> anyway, um, with the remake, you'd mentioned something interesting, though, about the setting at the start when everything's blowing up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, do you want to the... talk about that? Sure. We noticed in the beginning how it takes place in the suburbs. Or I guess, you know, technically it begins in the hospital, but we, the character that we established that we're following, she goes home to the suburbs. Yeah. And in the, you know, in the, in the first one, it's, it's more this kind of, like, working class area. Like, where they're raiding that apartment. Yeah, like, like yeah we see the TV station first. Yeah. Uh, but then as soon as we're out of that, it's the uh, the projects. Yeah. The buildings where they cram um, The working all class, the, the working poor, all of this, yeah, this sort of, Anyone like, who isn't white kind of thing. Cause, yeah. Because uh, there's the very racist diatribe by that one cop, Wooly. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, again, Romero is so fucking great. He is like, on the ball with this stuff. So much praise to him for their, like... The stuff that he that? put in, yeah, for doing that, and for doing that when he did, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. so many of his movies, like so much respect. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this one it takes it, it locates itself. Well, well sorry, because that that, that cop, I was just gonna say, he even commenting, he's in the projects of slums, and there's these uh, people that they're they're after, who it's almost built up like they've got some kind of. Uh, like, they assume it's a criminal element. Like, it's a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. Like, it's supposed to give the feel, at least the cops assume, that it's this scuzzy, run-down, low-rent kind of place. And the cop even says, shit, this is better than I got. So it just right. kind of shows that even though, you know, he's probably full of shit, yeah. uh, it still is just low-class on low-class mm-hmm. as far as uh, where people are in that strata. Of, yeah, uh, for sure. And then you actually go in and it's like, oh, there are, like, families here and yeah. children. And... Human beings? What? what? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Any- <laughs> so, to okay. the remake. Yeah. Um, so, it goes to the suburbs. This very sort of, like, white, middle-class, comfy, out, out of the urban areas that are so associated with danger and right. all of these things that we see in, in the original. 
And um, so to bring to make a stretch and bring in the consumerness of it, which probably wasn't intentional, but whatever, we're doing it anyway. Um, the suburbs, the home of the white middle class American nuclear family, nuclear, nuclear, nuclear family with their husband, their wife, and their two point five kids and their white picket fence. It's nuclear. I said nuclear. You said nuclear both times. Nucle- nu- nuclear? Nuclear? <laughs> wow, wow. Just goofing, but it's funny. Nuclear family. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought, okay, wow, I never noticed that. That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Anyway. Speaking of butthole. The home. <laughs> <laughs> the white all-American nuclear family. <laughs> um, who just so happens to be... The unit of greatest consumption. Do you care to expand yes. on that? Yes, so, after World War II, the nuclear family... Nuclear? Did I got it? I, I got it. Nuclear, like it, yeah. the nuclear... Of course, it could be that my ears are just clogged full Maybe. of shit, I you guess know? we're going to find out. World yeah. War II, the nuclear family was invented. Yeah, which is uh, interesting, because it yes. makes sense, especially even just in the, the terminology, etymology. Right? It's like, yeah, yeah nuclear family after the nuclear yeah. arms race. Exactly. Uh, but... It's such, it's always sold to us as such a given that well, this is the way. Well, it's the traditional family, right? But if you actually look back in human so the history. The idea that it's, you know, maybe 70 years from, old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the, the idea being that during the war, all the men were away fighting. So the women um, had to take their places in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And then when all the men come home, they go back to their jobs. And all of a sudden the women are like, oh, fuck, we have to go, like, we have to go back to the home. So... They're saying, well, the men defended the home front. Women, it's your job to defend the home. And, you know, this is when you had this idea. And again, this is this is very white, very middle class, because if you look at working class, working poor, often women of color, they've been working the entire time. Mm-hmm. And it was, so it was these white middle class ladies, housewives, housefrows, whatever, that were, <laughs> that were sent back to the home to be mothers and just and be housewives and just you know be there all day while husband's away and the kids are at school mm-hmm. and you know cleaning and cooking and so much of what was targeted at her what would be you know the soap operas the tv commercials the all these things saying you know buy this buy that buy this new vacuum cleaner buy this new dishwasher well, so it, the, I, i'd heard this isn't that where the soap opera term comes from yeah, because yeah. they would sell soap right, during yeah. them and so it was all, all of a sudden like maybe it's bullshit that I was taught that. But <laughs> no, I, I, I'd that, heard that's, that. That's where the name comes from. Yeah. Um, so and yeah, so you have this this she you know even though it's the husband that's making the money and seen the head of the household and everything, it's the wife and the kids to an extent by extension, who and even today like a lot of times I think it's it's a lot of times like the wife and the couple if it's a heterosexual couple that makes a lot of the purchases and sure. determines that kind of stuff stuff. So she yeah, the housewife was really seen as like a marketing Yeah. And the nuclear family, yeah, by extension is they yeah, had this like um, marketing demographic. Mm-hmm. So so it's interesting to relocate it to the to the movie to the suburbs where oh fuck. I don't know. So it's, it's, it was just kind of interesting to me, knowing that little tidbit of information yeah. that they but began the, in the suburbs. But the suburbs, uh, it is interesting that that's where the attack happens, because there's mm-hmm. this, the point of the suburbs was the whole white flight out yeah, of the cities, out like of the, the scary we want to be s- secure and safe, where we raise our families mm-hmm. and all that. 
And, uh, of course, this terror strikes and just completely undoes that. Yeah. Now, perhaps And the kid, they, specifically, is the kid that yep. enters the house and the, the, per- the little girl you least expect. The one that this was for, it, Yes, this was intended yeah. for her to protect her innocence and yeah. her childhood and all these blah, things. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. She's, uh, the, she's the one who brings the terror into the house. And we'll grant it from, like, a, a standpoint of population density perhaps that did afford them some safety compared to other people mm-hmm. by the the spread of people you know they're in no way safe no, she walks not, out and the yeah. neighborhood is just in shambles but they're not right in the city center where this well where the, yeah. you know if the hospital's there that's where we kind of it's kind of implied patient zero was yeah so yeah Hell, they, she she makes it like to her car before someone like that's as far as she gets and someone's pointing a gun at her yeah. ready to shoot her mm-hmm and yeah, and then these like, yeah, and like, these these zombies can run fast. That's expecting that. Yeah, like some. Oh, okay. I, I thought I thought you knew that that it was a running zombie one. I I mean I I, I didn't know I didn't know oh, okay. I had never seen it I didn't know. Go-Go. Yeah 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 no for to some reason honest, I thought that like, you had that yeah. in your head already but um but they could run as fast as cars like zombies aren't supposed to get like extra abilities oh, I thought God. they were just supposed to be reanimated and and maybe if you consider like not feeling pain. Uh, sort of superhuman ability, then okay. Okay, we're not we're not gonna go into the do <laughs> zombies walk or run speech. That is oh, like, I, I don't give a shit. Yeah, okay, because no, that just, is the worst but debate. To run as fast as cars for more than just a sprint, it's like that's superhuman. But that's a good point. Like maybe since they don't feel the pain of fatigue mm. and so many of their life things are gone, maybe that would explain. You know, they don't that's have fair. to deal with the burning of their muscles. Yeah, that's true. They yeah, they're not going to have all that lactic acid build up. And Let's shit. say, if I can accept the fact that these dead people are around, I don't have to sit here picking over their lactic acid levels. Totally. Yeah. I can accept I, that some corpse yes. dude with no limbs is just like, I'm going to eat you. Yeah. I don't even need to eat, but I'm going to eat you. Mm-hmm. If I can accept that, I'm not going to be like, well, hang on. Sure. It's just like, okay, either you're not driving very fast or, mm-hmm. holy shit, like... Well, they're in the suburbs. You can't go fast in the suburbs. Jeez. Well, I feel like... <laughs> Feel like when all hell is broken loose and your neighbors pointing guns at you, then you can maybe. But then you're just as bad as them. This is true, and you're just as bad. Yeah, you're contributing Ugh. to society's downfall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna stop being an idiot. Um, stop being <laughs> a goober. Uh, another great apocalyptic movie that it's sort of apocalyptic, more dystopic mm-hmm. than anything is They Live. John Carpenter's mm. They Live. Um, embarrassingly we almost forgot to cover this one it was sort of like okay we're gonna watch this one movie and then we're gonna we're gonna go and record it's like wait they live yeah, of I was, course I was kind of thinking like maybe i'll recommend they live wait it's like why is, the fuck aren't we talking this is about too integral it? we have we have to we have to rewatch it and then record yeah right after. so so we put off recording by yeah. a couple hours so we could watch they live yeah just to have it fresh in there yeah on this because it had been on this here cyber monday 2k18 yeah. Oh, what a timely day for right? this discussion. We managed to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway. They live. So, for those who are familiar, or aren't familiar, I guess. Or are vaguely familiar. Uh, we get this idea that the world is overrun by a race of alien beings that mm-hmm. are trying to control humanity through uh, subconscious messaging that tells everyone to consume. You know, turning people into complacent little consumers is what's going to keep them in line. And interestingly, it also, it doesn't just deal with, you know, this sort of evil alien force, but it focuses really heavily on 
the small group of mostly elite human accomplices yeah. who are happy to sell out the rest of humanity to increase their bank accounts. Yeah, that's great. We can enslave people with the pursuit of money, or we can also get people to be turncoats on our side in the pursuit of money. Yeah, yeah, like totally. it, It's a double-edged and, sword. Yeah, and just this, this idea that all it takes is money to get people to turn on the rest of humanity, effectively. Yeah. So, yeah, if this, this one is... Even more explicit and far more in your face than even Dawn of the Dead with this sort of this messaging and everything. Like it's yeah. it's literally there in front of you when they put the glasses on. There's the 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 point where he looks at the wad of money in the guy's hand and it just says, This is your God. Mm-hmm. That's the message written on it when he wears Okay, the glasses just I'd be surprised if people haven't seen this that would listen to a niche <laughs> podcast like this. But he, he has these glasses. When he puts them on, he can see through this facade, the signal that is blocking everyone's brain. It's almost, it's, it's almost like the Matrix. It's like the yeah. glasses are the red pill. Yeah. Red pill vision. And, and when we say red pill, we mean the Matrix red pill, not... Not the, like, weird, pe- pejorative, like... Not society. political yeah, thing it's become. <laughs> yeah. No, we mean the idea that everything is sort of this simulation, this thing that's keeping us complacent. And yeah. when you take use whatever tool, mechanism, antidote thing to help you see what's really there, what's underneath is... Yeah terrifying and yep. authoritarian and just like making this idea that, you know it's making turning us into sheep yeah you know it kind of shows why uh red pillars are like not hip or with it because <laughs> they, that is their point of reference and mm-hmm. not a knock on the matrix but you know it's like my guys they live has been around for a way longer and totally. why don't you just say that they live shades <laughs> Yeah. Because then you're simply someone wearing shades. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of glad you didn't ruin this like you ruined everything they else. They tried, but John Carpenter himself, like, logged on to Twitter. Oh, my God. Really? They did because, um, you know, he, he. I don't think he comes online that often. He's, he's an older guy. Like, he, he, you know, let him live his life. He doesn't owe his fans anything. I somehow, like, seem to have forgotten that this was a thing that happened. Yeah, no. Some, in the last couple of years, some fucking assholes tried to, tried to turn or appropriate they live to further their gross anti-semitic conspiracy theories and john carpenter like logged on to twitter and was like fuck you no no this is absolutely not there are reasons there are reasons he is the king yes and he's just like you are no this isn't this is not what's there you're not gonna do this fuck off so (laughs) where were we going with that one of the things that's funny about they live is you're you're almost, um, you're seeing it from the perspective, like, you know that, that, uh, what's his name again? The main character. Yeah, Nada, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, um, you see, you're, you're, you're learning things as you see it through his eyes, but then when you see him try to get other people in and tell them about it, he sounds batshit, like, he's a, like, straight-up conspiracy theorist-sounding dude, so... Yeah, when he's ranting in the convenience yeah, store, just, he's just like, you, you're okay, but you, real fucking ugly. Yeah, and telling him, like, you, they're running, they're running the things, and you get these, the, so it, it, it's just, it's funny to see that, because normally they, the sort of conspiracy theorist, revolutionary type person with those kind of politics is presented as such, but this time, you, you're kind of seeing things from his perspective, and you're, you're rooting for him. Yeah. But then you kind of take a step back and be like, oh, man, he sounds just like all those other, like, Dale Gribbles and, like... Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and no, no Bark from Followed and, like, all these guys that you just think are, like, you know, loony. And, of course, some of this uh, this juxtaposition leads to the 
greatest fight scene oh, ever captured God, on film. Yes. When uh, <laughs> committed to so Rowdy Roddy Piper goes down with uh, Keith David. <laughs> oh, that was a great scene. So good. I and I, I knew it was coming, and but it was still just like I was. Was this your second watch? Yeah. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And because I remembered it being like very long. Yes. But, but even, even then, it was still just like wow. I love this how is it seems on. to end. Dude yeah. staggers off, and there's like a minute of like breather, and, then and so like, I was like, Rrr. I was like, wow, did I did I really exaggerate it that much in my memory? Oh, and then, and then no, I love I, the, I love the part when when they finally arm themselves, and he smashes the windshield with the the, the uh, wood, and it's like, oh my god, I'm, I'm sorry. So sorry. Oh, can we speak a second about how? fucking Canadian yes. the character is like I just love how he's just may I please thank you yes sir like he's yes. just got that may I, then I, may I please speak to the man sir yeah this Canadian tuxedo then yeah, may I please speak to the yeah. shop steward totally. sir but yeah, we, you, got the, you got this you know nice this nice working class guy and I need you to put on the glasses to see what this is all about <laughs> Yes, he's extremely Midwestern. I don't know. I, I'm not sure exactly what that accent I just it was did like, was. It was like kind of Midwestern, kind of kind of like Midwest. out east. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, for uh, Canadian, I'm pretty garbage at the Canadian accent, <laughs> except when I'm talking There's normal. There's so many different ones, so. There are, damn it. And it's funny, My uh, some of my cousins in Luxembourg, we were talking about, you know, they speak like four or five languages, like mm-hmm. it's nothing. And uh, the last time I saw them... My aunt, she says to me, she's like, "You don't have an accent. I don't. I don't. I, yeah, I don't think Canadians have accents enough." So like, apparently, we're just neutral. We're just neutral. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm speaking neutrally. Apparently, so I was. I because I, I kind of I knew what she meant, but like I, I couldn't help but chuckle. Yeah, I'm you're like, like, no, um, I, I, like everybody does, but weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. Anyway, it's all so relative. I really appreciated that sort of a uh, little bit of Canadian in there oh, with yeah. uh, with him. Yes, our good working class hero. Yeah, <laughs> so polite. Yes, you know, even though was, was you know till he goes on a crime spree. Yeah, and yeah. And I like that it's like a whole load of bubble gum. It's like <laughs> so wholesome. It is. <laughs> I love that. Oh, what a great movie! Oh, it's it's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so you can, uh, this is kind of where our rabbit hole that we went down sort of diverged mm-hmm. a bit from the dystopic, apocalyptic capitalism and uh, crumbling society <laughs> and all that. And we took, uh, I guess the shopping mall is the linker there, isn't yeah. it? Uh, yeah. We watched a film called Chopping Mall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chopping Mall. What a great, great movie. Um, what a great name, too. Oh, everything about it and a great tagline. Oh, where shopping will cost you an arm and a leg. <laughs> yeah. No will it ever. The cover where that big gauntlet hand is holding the shopping bag full of limbs, and I'm thinking, that's the robot had those weird pincher, like, claw hands. It didn't have a big night gauntlet for a hand. No, I love that <laughs> well, poster, and, and I love that that costs you an arm and a leg. It's being in the mall at the wrong time and being read as an intruder. Yeah. they're not shopping. They're just fucking around trying to survive. Trying to trying to get down, trying yeah. to make it with each other. <laughs> but yes, anyway, we begin with our our couples that are all 
fucking in the same showroom. Well, no, we like, begin <laughs> we begin with the sorry, uh, so- shareholder presentation. Oh god, uh, sorry. This yes, was the great. Beginning. It's uh, almost like a they're trying to pitch the the killbots, the protect pr- protectron one hundred and one. Yeah. Um, to would be investors, they're trying to sell mm-hmm. it because, like, yeah, we installed the security system in the mall, and it's great because they will neutralize threats, and you know they're kitted out with lasers and all that stuff, but it's non-lethal and they won't destroy anything. Um, <laughs> of course, my favorite part about this is the cameos of Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff reprising their characters from Eating Raoul, yes. a fantastic movie that we will get to at some point. Absolutely. Um, yeah, they were just. It was the weirdest, most unexpected cameo, but I, I just Yeah, they're being, they're being little shit disturbers. <laughs> yeah, much like they were in Eating Raul. Yeah, because they're like, oh yeah, this won't cause any, this is non-lethal, and they're like, really? Like, yes. Can we program it to kill cockroaches? <laughs> <laughs> no, they're oh. being goofy. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're great actors in their own right, so those mm-hmm. characters are great, but uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for Mary Warnov and oh, all yeah. the all the roles she's I've seen her in. Yeah, she's Love great. Her. Um, but yeah, so we get this meeting that starts with this uh, video of this guy robbing a mall, and then this robot rolls up, it's like, halt, going to neutralize threat, and just tases him, knocks him out, and then it says the end on the screen, and we realize we're watching this projector slide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, this, really, it's a pitch. like it's, Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's the pitch, trying yeah. to be like, hey, these are our new robots, hopefully, you Hey, know, venture capitalists, yeah. come and invest in us. Why? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's an interesting that that sort of looking at this like the role that this you know venture capitalism and in startups and all the tech shit going on in you know Silicon Valley and beyond. The, yeah, the that, the role of all of that in with like defense technology and right. a lot of times even um, like policing technology mm-hmm. stuff that is very often implicated in violence. <laughs> yeah, and just that sort of like. Um, like detached role that they play, and mm-hmm. like, oh, it's fine. It's just gonna neutralize. Yeah, it will neutralize the threat. Yes. And well, how thinking, do you make sure it's it's not going to you know hurt the wrong person? Like, oh, we have ID oh, cards. That's flawless. No flawless, problems there. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, it's um. And I just I, I love how they're kitted out with lasers that can destroy and cut through any debris that be present they're in a fucking shopping mall mm-hmm. what kind of debris is going to happen that this robot will need to cut through to make yeah, it's, a it's, non-lethal arrest it's, it's this very like militarized technology yeah and it's funny because the robot's purpose first and foremost is the protection of private property yeah protect the mall protect the stores it does, it, it's and not the, supposed to the, go in the stores no, it just, it's supposed to stay in the general mall in the mall general but it's supposed yeah. to protect the property and the, the value that's there. So this being a uh, great 80s uh, horror <laughs> flick, what happens? The robots go awry. The, yeah. And we get this... Um, the, a lightning uh, strike? Yeah, I, I was a little distracted. It's been a little while since I've seen this. We were re-watching it. Um, I'm pretty sure what lightning strikes, we get a Frankenstein-esque... Uh, yeah. Oops, these things have gone haywire. Maybe they just go haywire because I, they I, were I destined like to be... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, what could go wrong? Well, let us show you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Oh my, there was an interesting little queer moment at the beginning when people are getting gathered to go to the party, is there's this couple that they own a yeah automotive repair company, and their truck is broken down, and uh, the husband is trying to fix his engine on the car, and he's like, try it now, 
and the, the wife in the car, she revs it, doesn't work, and she says, okay, three strikes, you're out, mister. She climbs out of the car, and she is dressed head to toe in a Canadian tuxedo, like denim on denim, and, and she's got the plaid there. shirt underneath. And what does he say? He calls her, he says, okay, butch. Mm-hmm. Calls her butch. And then she goes and fixes the motor on the first time, having more automotive acumen than, than he does. Mm-hmm. And... It, oh my goodness! It was it was such a lesbian power move, totally. Kind of thing. And then they immediately recruit it by have them making out, and the movie gets and piles she's playing on lingerie. And yeah, all, it yeah, piles this, on the heterosexuality yeah. just to be like, like, not to say that one must be like one and not the other or anything like that. For but sure. it's interesting that we get this this moment that I was just like, oh hey, yeah, you get this you, gesture where like maybe maybe she's. Yeah, uh, what's your number? And yeah. then and then it's just like, oh, by the way, she's egregiously straight. By the way, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, by the by way. By the way, she just, she wants dick and she wants to know, but his, specifically. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, they go, they go to the mall, they, uh, so it's the store owner, it's his daughter, that um, is like, oh, yeah, I'll lock up, and they, they party there. Yeah, they're going to party there, they're going to bone down. Yeah, everyone that- is fucking in like adjacent beds and it's, it's is this like a thing like, is this people, is, yeah do people do this a lot like are, are the streets okay <laughs> it just it, I don't know, it's like I mean I it know, just I, strikes me as like maybe I'm the prude here but may, yeah exactly I'm like maybe I mean it's just like you know like yeah sex party is one thing but if you're not having a full on sex party it's just like they're in a really? whole furniture store. Why are they fucking on the bed and they're fucking on the couch like two feet away? Yeah, it's There's like... There's an entire department store. <laughs> Distracting? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's... Oh, it reminds me... more uncomfortable than I think it's intended It reminds to be. me of this classic line from one of the greatest movies ever, Repo Man. Ah, uh, you're fucking oh, nuts. That doesn't yeah. mean he was a homo, Miller. A lot of straight guys like to watch their buddies fuck. They do? No, I do. Yeah. 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 Don't you? Damn straight, I do. But yeah, so... Not we, being straight guys, I guess. We wouldn't know. We're not the experts here. No, no. No, I feel like, uh... <laughs> if any straight guys are listening, you would like to, uh... Let, let us know. And this Tune is not in. a place of judgment. This no, is no, a no. safe space. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. We present unconditional positive regard. Our, yes, our, we're allies. Yes, yeah, we are. We are straight allies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, there was an early part in when the robots are going around that they come up on a great, great fucking character actor, Dick Miller. Mm-hmm. You know, cult classic actor here from like Gremlins, Terminator, Piranha, yeah. so many things. He's the janitor and he's mopping up. And you made this comment about. Uh, Oh, what did you say? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the killer robots are not comrades. <laughs> they are not comrades. No, because he, he tries to, um, he's like, what the fuck, Leo, what, what the fuck is this? What are you doing? And he's trying to communicate with it. Yeah, and he's like, I'm a working stiff, just like yeah, you. Yeah, at one point he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a working guy, just like you. Like, you know, he goes for, like, the, the like, solidarity man, and the robot fucking kills him. Yeah, just electrocutes him. Yeah. I love when it shoots the taser wire at him, and he just looks at him, he's like, what the hell is this yeah. shit? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a really comedic moment, but you're just like, man, that, the the robots are fucking scabs. Like, <laughs> yeah, and, and on top of that, you made a point about automation of labor, where it's like, yep. this is the automated version replacing the person, putting them out of a job yeah, by the, way of murder. The good, yeah, the good, the good working, Amer- hardworking American, and yeah, he just like they automated them out of a job and, yeah. with electricity in a puddle. Yeah, and it, it's uh, again probably not intended, but you, you can make some some really like cynical uh, 
the uh, connections there sort of of this like automation of labor and alienation from labor and all of these things that are so much fun to discuss. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Um, but yeah, so we've got these killer robots on the loose and they start working as intended in one regard in that they find the kids in the mall that aren't supposed to be there walking. The intruders. Yeah. Yes. The, yeah. The, 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 the dipshit dude. He leaves to go get some cigarettes, and it's when he's out in the general area of the mall that the robots first interact with them, and it's just like, hold, you're an intruder, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Where, where is, where's your card? And, and then it proceeds to, like, slice his throat or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, kill him somehow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, first off, it was working as intended, but it didn't use non-lethal force. It mm-hmm. just straight up killed him. And it's all downhill from the original pitch. Yeah. Uh, there. But we had to want... And then... Um, like, we had to wonder, like, would that be considered that big of a deal at when they go to reassess and, like, oh, what are we going to do with this? Can we still, can we salvage this? Because, um, in so much, I guess, going on to what I'm guessing where you were going to say is so much of the the chase of these kids and stuff around the mall involves so much property damage. So much. It's like, oh, we want to protect the property. Let's equip these things with lasers, and they're just going to blow the gonna, fuck yeah, out of blow, everything. They blow fucking stores up. They cut through doors. They cut through They blow someone's head in one of the greatest moments yeah, ever. Yeah, exactly. But they take so much property damage. So I, I couldn't help but wonder if the robots, it wouldn't be the, the, human, the loss of human life and limb that would be considered the tragedy here, but the fact that it wasn't protecting property well, as Well, the intended. survivors make that comment where it's like, man, when we get out of the mall, we're mm-hmm. going to have to work for 85 years to get out of Hawk. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they're talking, and it, it's almost done in an offhand way, but they're very really uh, mentioning how the destruction that the robots are causing because they're there, yeah. the people and are I mean, there. Some, they, they're causing some of it themselves, but... Yeah. But still, yeah, it's this idea that they're going to be culpable for this robot malfunction. Yeah, yeah the concern, there's, there is recognition of the concern of property damage. That if we survive this, we're going to Look be at in all this property damage. for, like, yeah. longer than we're going to be left alive. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's, 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 I, I'm just trying to picture, like, the board meeting after. Kind of like in, a, like, Child's Play 2, when they're like, oh my god, how do we recuperate <laughs> this whole good guy doll thing? How do we recu- recuperate this Securitron whatever thing? And... Is that going to be seen as the number one issue? Is they they damage too much property? Not right. they use non lethal force. Yeah. Because I fe- I um I would have to look this up to confirm, but I remember offhand a comment that when you I think I don't know grade eight whatever whatever it was that we were learning a bit about like extreme weather and things and it and um it would have been not long after Hurricane Katrina, so that was a very like recent example to look at. Um, but I remember a teacher making an offhand comment, and again, I would have to confirm this, but was saying that the severity, not in terms of, like, um, like the category rating, but in terms of, like, the aftermath that was considered a severe, you know, the severity, the damage is calculated based on property damage, not on human life lost. So, yeah, yeah, so that, that, that was in the back of my, yeah, so I'm just like, I feel like that would be the real tragedy and the, the measure of the malfunction and of the loss that took place would be in the, the value of the property, not in the fact that some kids who were in the wrong place at the wrong time got totally nuked practically one by one. Yeah, that's uh, very cynical. Like, I feel yeah. like a lot of our readings are very cynical. Oh, they are, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, geez, what a great fun movie. Oh, it's it's so it's so it's goofy. It's it's yeah. This it's was a first time watch for you, wasn't it? It was, yeah. You, know, you told you talked about it for a couple of years, and it's yeah. one we've been meaning to watch, but we just you know never did. So we're like, well, we're doing like horror in like shopping centers. Yeah, we're watching it. <laughs> and there's familiar faces <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, abounds. You got uh, faces from Eating Raoul, from Gremlins, from uh, uh, Night of the Comet, from. Uh, Oh, Barbara Crampton, you know, from mm-hmm. Reanimator, from Beyond, from everything. So many things, from yeah. everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's definitely, definitely a fun watch. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so, um, Wow, after all this, we went on to uh, another classic that I'm actually going to use as my recommendation mm-hmm. for you. So this is me recommending to pass you because I already made you watch this. <laughs> but this is one that it's a great little movie if you haven't seen it. I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. This is Grocery Store Slasher Classic Intruder. Yes. <laughs> from 1989, I believe. There's a few movies called Intruder. It's mm-hmm. the late 80s. It's either 88 or 89. Uh Directed by Scott Spiegel, who was co-producer on the Evil Dead movies along with uh, mm. um, Sam Raimi, Rob Tappert, and guess who shows up in a major role in this movie? you got Sam Raimi, you've got Ted Raimi, you've got some other cameos, you have... Um, we have uh, Renee Estevez. From, Renee Estevez from, from Sleepaway Camp, Camp 2. Too, which uh, we will so, also cover one day because we fucking love that movie. Yeah, we're going to do an die. episode about the Sleepaway S- Camp movies. Yes. And Sleepaway Camp 2 is so near and dear to my heart. Oh, but anyway. <laughs> you're such a happy camper. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is great fun. This is a slasher gem with lots of sort of comedic tongue-in-cheek. It's a late 80s one, so mm-hmm. a lot of those movies kind of had that tongue-in-cheek yeah. and wore it on its sleeve. But if you've ever worked in a grocery store, which we both have, that's where we met, yep. um, then I, don't know, I, I just saw so much going on with the characters that was so goofy like I, I remember goofing around when we were closing the store yeah. and stuff with like friends you know you were in the deli I was a customer service yeah. you have some in Starbucks bakery produce, yeah. like all over so no, there's a bit of familiarity there, there. really yeah. is and it, it, was, it was a little bit nostalgic yeah not for the job so for, much as the like the camaraderie of, the com- with your co-workers yeah, yeah. right like you're all students who are just like man fuck this place like yeah I have sure. better places to be at 11 p.m. on a Sunday night but here I am so let's make the most of it with each other yeah so and one thing in particular I really loved about this one was the, uh, it is a shockingly gruesome movie. It and is. the makeup effects are really top yeah, notch. Yeah, really, like, great practical Yeah, I remember there were a lot of moments where you're like, ew, ew, and then it would just go further and you'd go like, oh my god, because <laughs> yeah. uh, this was the first time watch for you, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't seen Intruder, I highly recommend it. It is a fantastic late entry slasher movie. Yes. Um, I don't really want to say much else about it because as a lot of slasher movies go, it works having a bit of unfamiliarity Mm -hmm. going into it. That is very true. Um, So I'm choosing Intruder. Uh, Go watch it. Uh, What are you going to recommend? Um, well, you, you mentioned it offhand really briefly, but I was mm-hmm. thinking Night of the Comet because uh, yes. just w- I, I was kind of racking my brain and I thought, okay, what's another, that was the first one that popped into my mind of this idea of when the world ends, where do we go? To the mall. Yeah. So as much as it maybe doesn't play as prominently, it's still in there. So we're going to, we're going to yeah. recommend that one. Yeah. Good and old, it's fun. It's good a good old one. Night of the Comet. Yeah. Um, well, 
we maybe we'll talk about it next time when mm-hmm. we come back to it. But there is, I can think of a few ways that it is relevant to today's topic. Definitely. So we'll definitely have to get into that a little bit. For sure. Um, no, that's also a fun one because it's the two sisters at mm-hmm. the core of it. Um, you also have Mary Warrenoff in it. Yeah, and, uh, that's right. The younger, who is in Chopping Mall, but the younger sister is also in Chopping Mall. Yes. And the older sister is an alumnus of my high school. That's right. Yeah. yeah. It was a <laughs> fun so little tidbit, tidbit to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, um, <laughs> this one <laughs> wasn't so much... Uh, I suppose there is... The only way I can really think of this in terms of queer content in my head is pinkwashing. Mm. But none of the, or what's the word where it's like trying to sell oh. to queer consumers or, you know, you go to a pride parade and it's just like, yeah, that, cool, that a rainbow, lot of loan. Well, yeah, a lot of like loan companies that, <laughs> uh, yeah, and like businesses and have floats. Like it's like the support the, is nice, but yeah, um, that like rainbow capitalism. Yeah. Rainbow capitalism. Yeah. That's pinkwashing is a big part. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, we're, we're going to decorate ourselves in rainbows to erase how, or to just to, um, obscure the fact that we are Im- complicit in this system that at the end of the day contributes to LGBT youth being overrepresented amongst homeless youth and right. all of these things that yay marriage equality but look at all this work we still have to do that we are happy to ignore yeah. when it's not pride month yeah but I I don't know how much that figures into these movies mm-hmm. uh, so this one was a little more on the uh the theory and the, uh, the sociology side of yeah, which is of fine. Like you know, if, if the only queer element in an episode is us, then yeah, well, so we, just, be it. we just made these movies gay or by extension. Exactly. Our, our perspectives are inherently yeah that way. <laughs> yeah, um, but next week we have a topic that will be both very queer and also. Very special and dear to my heart, so we look forward to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess until then, keep, take it easy and keep it sleazy. Yeah. Yeah. And we will be keeping it very sleazy next week, I guess. Oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, Capital, the most barbaric of all religions. Okay, bye. <laughs>